This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. All right, Shane Lowry is the winner the British Open this year, doing it in dominating fashion. Hello, welcome into At The Turn. I'm Joe, that's Nick. Going to talk all things British Open. We'll then have a debate about the best player never to win a major, which I am very excited to hear Nick's case for Xander Schauffele. Nick, how are you? I, I'm very good, and Joe, I think all the fans already know who you're going to make the case for. Um, wow. I don't think I, they do. Oh, wow. Interesting. I, I'm excited for that part of the pod. But... Um, Joe, it's here we are, third week of July, and major season is officially over for 2019. I want to talk a lot about Shane Lowry and, and obviously the incredible week that he had, but I think at, at, uh, later on in the podcast, we got to digest another year of major champions, and um, I, I'm looking forward to talking about all of it. So let's start with the winner, Shane Lowry. He basically won the tournament on Saturday, shooting a 63, bogey-free Eight birdies, including three of his last four, really extended that lead. I went out to mow the lawn late in the third round, and I think it was a one or two shot lead over Fleetwood. And then I came back in a half an hour later thinking, okay, it's going to be about two, three shot spread. Come back. It's a four shot lead, and Lowry just goes crazy down the stretch, coming in in 30. And conditions were brutal today. Um, we'll talk about how much JB Holmes struggled in just a little bit, but Lowry shoots a one over 72. Really never in doubt throughout the whole final round. He had a very comfortable lead the whole way. Um, and Fleetwood played decent, who was with him in the final group, shot a 74. But the lead was too big. And unless someone went crazy at the top of the leaderboard in the first two, three, four, five maybe spots and, you know, got a 64, there was no one that was going to catch Lowry. I mean, I'm pretty sure I saw a stat that it was the lowest total to par in the history of the tournament after three rounds. And... He didn't make any big mistakes today. It was the second time he's had a four-shot lead going into the final round of a major, able to close this one out, kind of avenging the demons of the 2016 U.S. Open. That was won by Dustin Johnson. He actually finished second there. But I'll be honest. I don't know if because 
it was early and I just woke up, but when he was giving everyone those bear hugs, walking off the 72nd hole after he won, got a little dusty at the Simons household. <laughs> it was uh, a very cool and like genuine scene. It didn't feel like, oh, it's just, you know, saying what's up to your agent. Like you could actually feel like, okay, here's an Irishman winning the open championship on the island of Ireland. And it was it was just an incredibly cool story. A lot of times these culmination wins where it's a the outcome is never in doubt, those cannot be those sometimes are not very compelling. But I found this one to be the opposite. Well, it was nice of Rory to clear the stage on on Friday for Shane Lowry. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was I, I say that tug in cheek, but to be honest, there was nobody torn. There was nobody rooting for anybody else. It was it was it was Shane or die, and and he just dominated. He did not crumble under the pressure. And it was interesting this morning because I turned it on and I'm like, okay. Only Fleetwood was within, within within four shots. Those other guys were multiple strokes behind. You know, it was like it was going to take something crazy, um, you know, for anybody other than Fleetwood to catch him. And so that first hole, Valerie makes bogey. Fleetwood's got a, a relatively short birdie putt. You're like, oh my god, it could be, you know, two strokes being on the first hole, and this could be a really fun day. And um, Fleetwood missed his birdie putt, tapped in for par. Lowry made a you know a knee knocker for bogey and and from then on out it, it, Fleetwood just didn't look like he had what it, what he needed to overcome and uh, it was awesome just just seeing all the fans everybody in attendance you know cheering for one guy and then him getting the job done was was pretty awesome. Call me a nostalgic goof if you want, but how cool is that the seventy second hole of the British Open they still have that tradition where after the approach shots are hit and they're walking to the green, they allow the fans to run up past the players down the fairway, and then the players sort of emerge from the throngs of people out to the green. I love that so much, and it was it's, especially cool with Shane Lowry today. Yeah, it's anytime you get something unique in golf that you don't get on a week-to-week basis, it's awesome. So, yeah, that's awesome to see. The hometown guy, uh, really cool. So Shane Lowry adds his name to an impressive list of Irish major winners since 2007. Patrick Harrington racked up three in a two-year stretch, which is kind of crazy to think about. The Brooks Kepka of his time. <laughs> the Irish Brooks Kepka, Patty Harrington. <laughs> um, then you have Graham McDowell, who won the 2010 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Darren Clark wins the Open in 2011. Rory obviously wins a bunch of majors. And now Shane Lowry puts himself in that group as well um you gotta figure that if lowry can stay in any kind of form between now and next fall he'll be someone you want on the Ryder cup team on the strength of this victory yeah i mean Ryder cup's a long ways away uh you know recency bias obviously he just won a major this afternoon but uh we'll see what he does over the course of the next year i mean sure i'm sure i'm sure all of ireland wants him on the Ryder cup team right now but um, you know, we weren't talking about Shane Lowry a week ago, so we'll see, you know, we'll see how, how hot he stays for sure, but a name to keep an eye on for sure. Congrats to Shane. Shall we move on to super bro Brooks Kepka? Yeah, I, I'm so interested by Brooks Kepka. I just, I think <laughs> he's fascinating. He's, he's so good for my enjoyment level of golf and I've, the next time I root for him will be the first time. Now, I know you're not a big NBA fan, but Brooks Kepka to me is sort of quickly becoming the Kawhi Leonard of golf, where he is so enigmatic 
and he says so little that when he does something and because they're both right now at the top of their respective sport, when they do a thing or make any statement, we can dissect it and be like, oh, my God, Brooks is like just working with galaxy brain right now. We're all down here with peons. Can't even think of anything. So he comes out before the week starts and says, eh, maybe the reason I don't win regular tour events, I don't practice for those. I'm not going out. Two days before the Texas Open, we just crushed the poor Texas Open. Two days before the Texas Open, I'm not grinding out there playing 36 holes. I don't care about the Texas Open. I practice for major championships. So Brooks, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, and then and then heading into the final round, he said, "There's nobody who's hitting it better than I am right now." And then he starts his round with four straight bogeys. But it, he's he's evolved from. Nobody liked him because he didn't talk. He was just very reserved and just kind of said the, the right thing. So he got knocked for that. And then he didn't get any media requests when he's like winning every other major. So he complains about that. And now he gets media requests and he just says whatever. Look, he says what you and I would say after the first round of the Corner Club Open and after four tubs. You know, you might be thinking it. Hey, man, we're not going to be on the clock. This guy next to me is super slow. He's slowing everybody down. But you don't say it to the media, to the world, but he does and he doesn't care. So I don't necessarily disagree with anything that he says, but nobody would say that when they know they're talking to a reporter except for Brooks. I do like that you just compared the mindset of the number one golfer in the world and someone that is on such a historic major run that it may be even better than a run Tiger has been on to us after the first round of the Corner Club Open and having the equivalent of seven beers at us. <laughs> the point being, absolutely unfiltered, not inaccurate, just not what you would say in a press conference for most people. I mean, especially golfers. They're so, oh, I just want to thank my, thank all the sponsors oh, for all the help that they're giving. And, you know, we really couldn't do it without these guys and uh, my whole team. It's just, it's just so great. We're just so fortunate to be out here. You know what? Brooks is like, yeah, man, no one's hitting it as far as me right now. No one's hitting it as good as me. Yeah, that guy's slow. It's not my problem. Yeah, I don't practice for tournaments. <laughs> you know well, what I, I mean? Well, and, and what's so great about it is it's the antithesis of the dominant player prior to Brooks. Because the only person who was this dominant in this decade, uh, the latter half of this decade, rather, was Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth is the ultimate, my team, you know, making the right move, just being oh, appreciative. Oh, Greller really had a great read for me there on that green. <laughs> yeah. You think Brooks has given his caddy any credit? Hell no. If you ask Brooks about his caddy, he'd say, yeah, he told me how far it was, but I hit the damn thing. <laughs> which is um, true. Which, which is true. But I love Brooks. I think he's a great number one player in the world. And again, Brooks didn't have a great week. Still finished fourth in this tournament. Do you, do you root for him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just want him to win every major. I think he's great for the game. He is, I think your point is a great one, Nick. He is just the so opposite of the type of 20-something, early 30-something golfer that you have. Like, okay, I saw an interview with Justin Rose, who's a bit of a punching bag of mine. <laughs> and it's like, you know, already we have the MasterCard on the collar. Like, that. <laughs> that that's a big turnoff. And he's just so, like syrupy and appreciative it's just the gym dancification of golf that i just cannot stand and that's why i like brooks because nothing brooks says or does in my opinion is disrespectful all he wants to do is play golf fast he wants to intimidate people and win and he's doing all three of those things he's the best player in the world 
it's not even a conversation. And all these golf channel talks sort of crack me up of like, oh, is this just a good run or is this what he is? Like, sure, the dominance of majors will stop at some point, but let me rip off his last 11 majors for you. You ready? Please do. First, tied for sixth, tied for 13th, first, tied for 39th, and in his last five majors, first, second, first, second, fourth. That is what? insane. It's <laughs> absolutely insane. It's... Uh, for, for me, Brooks Kepka is Duke men's basketball in that I absolutely do not. <laughs> your reaction was priceless to that. Um, I do not root for him. Not, not in terms of personality, but in terms of my view on them. They're, he's the Yankees. I don't root for him. I, I have no problem with anything he does. I don't want him to change. But on a re- at a regular event where it may not otherwise be interesting, if he's part of it, I, it gives me somebody else to root for, essentially. Like today, I was, I was happy to see Shane Lowry distancing himself from Brooks Kepka for no other reason than I just didn't really feel like having another major won by Brooks Kepka. So I think, it's, I think having a person who's so dominant is good for the game in the post-Tiger era. Everyone was rooting for Tiger, and it was like Tiger or the field, and there was that interest. And now there's, it's been a long time since there's been a, been a player sustain you know, that level of greatness over a handful of years. I mean, we thought Rory was going to be winning how many majors five years ago, and it's been a long time since he's won one. So for me, it, it increases my interest in watching golf if he's playing, whether or not I'm rooting for him. The Masters is a long time from now, but I can imagine no scenario short of Brooks getting hurt where he is not the overwhelming favorite and should be. There's nothing that can be done because there's no other major. We can't judge Brooks by regular tour events. We have to judge him by majors because that is obviously what he is gearing himself towards. I cannot believe you don't like a young, dominant American player. I I just, I don't know, for for whatever reason, I find myself rooting for whoever is challenging him, which is fine. It, it, it's the same interest level that I have, whether I was rooting for him or against him, but I wouldn't have that interest level if was he not there. I'm going to force you to have a very unpopular opinion. You ready? Yeah. Final group of the Masters is Patrick Reed and Brooks Kepka. They are tied. <laughs> Who does Nick Heidelberger want to win that golf tournament? Wow. I mean, I think we all know I'd be rooting for Patrick Reed. Oh, my God. You're so, I knew you were going to say it, and still it is shocking to hear so, out loud. I know. It's it, it's hard for me to say out loud, but sometimes I just like being in the minority. I don't know. I don't know why. <sighs> Patrick Reed. What a hill to die on. I know, uh, but but yeah, I, I, I've, I've lost a lot. Of, Patrick Reed has lost a lot of luster for me in the last couple of years, but I don't know. I mean, that would be but, – but that would be a really exciting final round to watch. No, it it would be. So speaking of final rounds, Brooks Kepka's playing partner today, J.B. Holmes, who was very much a part of the conversation the first three rounds, was still a part of it today, but for much different reasons. My man, J.B., now look, I had a bad round the other day on Friday afternoon. I birdied 18 to shoot 86. Guess who I beat? J.B. Holmes, who shot 87. <laughs> Highest final round by anyone, anyone in the British Open since 19. 19- and 66. Brooks Kepka said of his playing partner, we were on pace for 13 holes, but I mean, if I'm in a group, we're going to be on pace no matter what. So Brooks obviously plays very fast. J.B. Holmes is notorious for being very, very slow. They were put on the clock. 
Brooks Kepka not very happy with the rules official because of that. Apparently, he walked off a couple greens, gave him the wrist tap. Like, hey, hey, we're doing okay, <laughs> right? We're doing okay. So maybe that contributed to Brooks getting off to a bad start, being stuck with Psycho JB. But woof, 87. That's uh, that's tough sledding from the from the Southerner. I didn't see too much of that round, but Joe, before JB even teed off, they were talking about how slow he was. So I don't know if, how, how early you got up this morning, but Brooks hits his tee shot, and then they announce JB Holmes, and he kind of starts going through this routine, taking practice swings, looking at the fairway, stepping off again, taking more practice swings, and they're like, yeah, you know, he's, he's really very deliberate. We anticipate this group being on the clock for most of the day. <laughs> What a bummer to know on the first tee that you're going to be on the clock all day. Like, is there anything worse than a starter coming up to you and say, hey, can you guys uh, pick it up a little bit? <laughs> the worst. Um, Nick, what do you make about the curious case of Tiger Woods, your pick to win the U.S. Open, or the British Open, rather? I think there's a lot that we don't know about Tiger's health. Um, he, he missed the cut this week. He did not look good at any, at any point this week. And he's already announced he's taking off the uh, WGC next week, the FedEx St. Jude, which I think is in Memphis, because he needs to take a break. So I don't know what a guy who's played in four tournaments since April um, and then has missed the cut in his last two, you know, how, how badly he needs a break if everything is working properly. So uh, it's a strong indicator to me that he uh, he's fighting something right now, and it's not good. He missed the cut today or this week he missed the cut at the u.s open or at the um at the open championship tied 21st at the open joe he's only played two other tournaments besides that since winning the masters um i just don't know i just i just think he's not all healthy right now couple thoughts the tournaments in which tiger did not perform very well the pga at beth page black memorial which is a tournament he's won a bunch in the u.s open at pebble beach three venues that he's had a lot of success on and for him to not contend, I mean, the Memorial, he finished ninth, but it was a backdoor top 10. He had a good Sunday round. For him to not contend at any of those events, I think maybe indicates to me that we should look at his Masters win in April as more of an aberration as opposed to perhaps a return to form. I don't think we can really predict and say, oh, wow, Tiger had a great week. He's going to make a run now. I think it's sort of a case-by-case basis. I think he's going to win more. I think he'll probably win more majors. But I think we're going to have long periods where we're not going to see Tiger play very much. Like, if you're Tiger and you know you're playing badly right now, why would you play in any FedEx Cup events? Who cares? Like, you've already won. Just, like, gear up for the Tournament of Champions next year. Just chill with your kids. Like, why do you have to grind in the fall for the PGA Tour? Who cares? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same approach that Brooks Kepka is taking, where he's like, I, I only care about the majors, and anything else is is basically preparation for the majors. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we want to see him play, and we want to see him play well. Uh, I'd rather see him take time off and just play in the majors and a couple other ones here and there than miss cuts on a regular basis, but... I don't like seeing him miss cuts in those majors on a regular basis. That's kind of alarming. He missed two out of four cuts in majors this year. Do you have anything else on Tiger? I mean, I'll, I'll save it for... <laughs> I, I can go on about Tiger, but, but I'll save it. Well, let's turn to Tiger's... Arguably, the person who pushed him the most during his prime, David Duvall, who, by virtue of his 2001 win, has an exemption through age 60, which... 
actually, I got to drop this tangent real quick. I watched a lot of Shane Lowry's post-game press conference, um, and they were talking about his daughter, who was three, and he's like, well, now she gets to watch me in the Open Championship for 27 more years. Can't wait. She's going to be 30 during my last British Open. And I was like, oh, that's so great that he's already thinking about that lifetime exemption. Oh, yeah, for sure. So Duvall, who has, I think, another 11 years in the Open Championship by virtue of his win. My guy struggled Thursday. Did you catch what happened to him? I, I, I saw what happened, but I didn't exactly see how it happened. I saw he made a 15 that was then later changed to a 13. And then it was, I, I don't know, they kept... I kept seeing tweets that he, they kept changing his score like for 12 hours. Yeah, I mean, they settled on a 14. He did something that, who among us is not, he played the wrong ball. Look, we've so, all done but, it. But was, I think it was his third tee shot because I, I saw somewhere, I was looking for the blow-by-blow, blow, I never got it. But I think he hit out of bounds, hit two provisionals, and I think he was trying to play his second provisional and at that point played the wrong ball i'm i'm not sure but do, do you get did you get the the breakdown no i didn't get a blow by blow either my my main takeaway was poor david and the most remarkable part about his 91 that he hung on the board david Duvall started the british open two under through two he birdied his first two holes of the stinking thing he's thinking so i'm gonna you, win it <laughs> yeah he's probably the third tee like okay calm down david let's just get to the house a couple <laughs> under we'll make the cut but like yeah so he basically what? As a matter of fact, I saw he was two under through four. So he played his last fourteen holes of the first round of the British Open in twenty-one over par. <laughs> That's tough. That's tough for a former number one player in the world and a major champion. And he, I think he shot like seventy-eight the second round. But hats off to David Duvall. That's um, I gotta imagine if Tiger's in that spot, you probably get a, a WD, and he's probably not posted that score. But David Duvall grinds it out. Hangs a 91 on the board. I'm not going to shoot 91 at Royal Port Rush, so kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, that that was interesting. I at some point, hopefully, we can get the blow by blow, but but until then, um, that's definitely a legendary hole. So, Nick, the major championship season is in the books. Our four champs are Tiger, Brooks, Gary Woodland, and Shane Lowry. You wanted to ask the most surprising player to miss out on a major in 2019. Um, I'm going to go with the barn rat. My bet uh, earlier on in the year, Kiridesh, Epi barn rat. I got him at 50 to one. Still feels like a steal to win any major in 2019. <laughs> Wasn't able to get it done. He did post a good round early on Thursday at Royal Port Rush and thought, maybe we got a chance, but he never really contended. I think finishing in the forties, but you said Bryson DeChambeau. I did. And only because of where we were at in March and April. And basically how he finished 2018, I would have said he he's the most surprising player heading into major season to not win a major. Joe, he was third in the FedEx Cup in 2018, and he was number five in the official world golf rankings heading into this season. And he was obviously still a young player, but it seemed he was winning a lot at the end of last year. It really seemed like he had everything figured out and Obviously, he's a guy who puts in a lot of prep. He he prepares himself around the majors. So I, I really thought that he would get get it done. He had a pretty poor showing at the majors this year. Tied for 29th at Masters, missed the cut at the PGA. Tied for 35th at the U.S. Open and missed the cut at the British Open. So not good. Well, I remember 
that was part of the conversation in 2018 that we were having because he started to get hot right after the major season was over, and we were kind of perplexed as to why he wasn't playing better in the big events. So is Bryson DeChambeau the anti-Brooks Kepka? He's going to clean up in the regular tour events and not really perform that well in the big ones? It's way too early to say that, but that's at least what his record is right now, and you know, you are what your record is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he he's done a lot of winning, and he, he's he's been high on a lot of leaderboards, you know, in those pedestrian events. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to kind of compare those two moving forward, though. Okay, it's all been foreplay up till now, Nick. We're gonna have the discussion of the best player without a major. Now, typically, we share notes. We we have the same Google Doc going, so we can see what each other's points are going to be. I opened up a separate notepad because I didn't want to give away anything of this I'm so discussion. Glad. So, so you're telling me your your pick for best player without a major is not going to be Ricky Fowler? It's not. I'm okay. going to make a case for him as one of, but not okay. the most. Okay. Um, now, can, before we get into yeah. our, our people, for me, and I want to get your take on this, the best player without a major tag has to go with somebody who's got an established career. Like... This is why I'm not going to say Xander Schauffele because it's it's way too early. He might be better than the guys we're going to talk about right now, but it's too early to say. Well, he doesn't have a major. Uh, Nick, you have you're the fly that just fell into my spider web. I'm I'm, I'm so glad you put okay. it up this way. Okay, I cannot wait. Do you want to do you want to fire away first, or should I go first? I'll I'll lead. I'll okay. I'll let the appetite. Great. Um, the guy I've got. Matt Kuchar. I feel like he's he I know I talk about him a lot, but Joe, he's that he's you do. <laughs> but his resume deserves it. Nine PGA tour wins, twelve top tens in majors, including five since twenty seventeen. So he's had a decent run in majors the last couple of years. Solo second at the twenty seventeen open. Again, pretty good. Um he does have a couple Decent size wins on his resume. The 2012 players and the 2013 match play. So he's won some okay events. In 2010, had the best season on the PGA Tour. Had the scoring average and money list uh, titles that year. So definitely a good career. He's done a little bit of winning as of late. I think two wins this season. Uh, no majors. So Matt Kuchar, Joe, is my best player without a major. And I can't wait. I can't wait. I don't know if you want to... Um, digest that, or if you just want to go straight into yours. Well, I, uh, I'm not terribly surprised by that pick. It's, it's, you make a strong case. I mean, he's performed well lately. He's got a good career, a good resume. Like you said, he's got a couple of those almost major type victories with the players and the match play. Even though I don't like Matt Kuchar, and I think he's one of the phoniest guys in the PGA Tour, I completely understand that argument, and I think it's a good one. So, kudos to you. Uh, I'm going to do mine. I have I have top three. So number three is Ricky Fowler. I think he's the third best player without a major. Five PGA Tour wins, including the players. Two European Tour wins. He's played in 40 majors. 18 top 25s in those 40 majors. 12 top 10s in majors. And in 2014, he was the top five in all four majors. And he's been in the top 10 pretty consistently over this decade. So kind of a stalwart. Not a lot of wins, period, but always creeps up in the majors. In fact, I think he was T6 in T6. the Open. T6 this week. For number two, I'm going to go in the Wayback Machine. Okay. Colin Montgomery. Okay. 31 European Tour wins, 
He won the Order of Merit in Europe eight times, including seven years in a row. He lost playoffs in two majors in the mid-90s, the PGA Championship to Elkington, and he lost an 18-hole playoff with Ernie Els for the U.S. Open in 1994. He has six top threes in majors, ten top ten in majors. I found this stat out. Oh, and seven in playoffs on the European Tour. So even though my man won 31 times, he's never won a playoff on either the European or the PGA Tour. Now, that being said, wow. he, he has lit up the PGA Champions, won a bunch of majors there. But who really cares about that? So okay. Colin Montgomery, number so, two. So we're not going players who still can win a major, which is fine. Well, I threw him in there as number two. That's a good. That, that's that's a very interesting case you just laid out. Because I will say, if Monty was able to get himself in the field, he's fifty-five. I looked at this. If Monty was able to get himself in the field at a British Open, I would say he probably has two, three, maybe four more years. Where if he gets the right venue, the right draw, he's firing on all cylinders. Who knows? Maybe Monty could make a scare. Okay. The best player to never win a major was leading the British Open early yesterday morning. He finished in the top 10 of this golf tournament. Oh, my God. 24 European Tour wins, two PGA Tour wins. He's won the Order of Merit twice. He was on every Ryder Cup team from 1997 to 2016. That's a lot. Nine top three in majors, 12 top fives in majors, 18 top 10s in majors. He was leading the Masters a couple years ago, late when Sergio won. He's around the leaderboard still. I thought he was going to give it a run. The best player to never win a major is Lee freaking Westwood. Yeah, he, you, you're probably right. When I, I watched him a decent amount this week, and that thought crossed my mind quite a bit. And I thought, well... I just think it's too late for him to win, but clearly he had a he had a great chance this week. Yeah, and he's one of those guys who still hits the ball so well. Like his swing is still so pure. The the putter's kind of bulky, and you know he's getting older. He would have been look if, if Lee Westwood would have gotten it done, he would have been the second oldest British Open winner, only behind old Tom Morris. That's the only person <laughs> that would have been older. Who's prefaced by being old. Yeah, so for me, it's Lee Westwood. I think Ricky is the best young gun without a major. Monty's the historic figure and kind of the best of both worlds, even though he's toward the end of his career, is yeah. Lee Westwood. His, his window is definitely closing and not completely gone yet. Joe, I put together a quick list of the world golf rankings and the guys in the top 20 of that who don't have a major. And again, a lot of these guys are too young to say they're the best player without a major. But just to run down the list in order... Uh, Bryson DeChambeau is number six in the world golf rankings, no major. John Rahm, number eight. And I, I thought about I thought about John Rahm a lot for this, but he, he's just too young. But we I think we all expect him to to rattle off a major or two, you know, the next five years. Um Patrick is his Cam major sorry, just just real quick on Rahm. Is his major record that good? I feel like I've never I don't think I've ever been like on the couch on a Sunday and John Rahm has been in contention on a Sunday of any Literally at like any major, I, I just can't. So here we go. Okay. He has, he, <laughs> whoops. So he has finished, <laughs> he has finished in the top 10 of, uh, God, what a, what a crazy record. So in 2018 and 2019, he's finished in the top 11, five times. 
But the other three finishes were missed cuts. So he's either finished in the top 11 or missed the cut in his last eight majors. Yeah, I I feel like those top 11 finishes are... um, Like, I don't think those are days that he was really at the top of the leaderboard in contention. Maybe just a few solid rounds and, you know... Exactly. So Yeah, he, he didn't sleep on a lead going into Sunday. Right, right. But I still expect him to win a major. I do too. He's incredibly talented and, you know, he's got the the long game and, and his, his putting is masterful as well. Yeah. Um, Patrick Cantlay, number 10. Mm. Xander Schauffele. I'm sorry, 11. I have to interrupt again. Yeah. I heard a great stat about Patrick Cantlay. Um, there's a super nerdy stat called Smash Factor, which is basically who strikes the ball the best, who has mm-hmm. the purest strike of the golf ball with the club most consistently. And I guess Patrick Cantley leads that category by a mile. So just kind of really? a fun fact about him. Interesting. Well, maybe he'll get a major sometime. Surprising to me that he's number 10 in the world. I guess I haven't been paying enough attention to Patrick Cantley, but um, on just the radar don't. now. On the radar, he's in the conversation of best player without a major. So <laughs> <laughs> Xander Shoffley, number 11. Uh, Matt Kuchar is number 13 in the world. Ricky Fowler is number 14. And Tommy Fleetwood is number 20. And those are the guys in the top 20 without a major. Surprised Tommy's not higher in the world rankings. He must not have had a very good year on the uh, European tour. Joe, I just don't think you get world ranking points for the Ryder Cup. <laughs> if not, Molinari Otherwise, he'd be number one. Player one. In the world. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, yeah, also Frankie uh, shot 67 today. Came out of nowhere, and I think he finished 11th in this in this tournament today. So, good for him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. That it's a good list. Uh, out of all the names you mentioned, I would I. I wouldn't be surprised if Rom beat Ricky to a major, but I think Ricky is more accomplished and a more consistent player than John Rom. Yeah, definitely, definitely more accomplished. I I don't know. It'll be interesting to have this talk in five years and see who who's got more on the resume than I just think Ricky. It's pretty inconsistent. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I, I think he just doesn't get it done in the big events enough. But, I mean, you've been picking him to win majors for two years. and uh, <laughs> The winner of the 2020 so. Masters, Ricky Fowler. <laughs> well, who, who's your early you, – you brought it up, Joe. Who's your early Masters pick? I mean, it's, it's, it's the longest. Kepka. It's the longest drought we'll have between majors in decades. <sighs> what are you going to do for the next 270 days? Count them down. <laughs> <laughs> Just a giant stack of paper, and you rip one off every single day. Exactly. I Count love it. down to the Masters. No, it's Brooks, man. Look, until further notice, Brooks is the favorite in every major championship. Yeah. I, I don't, don't care if Matt Kuchar wins six off-season events. I'm not picking <laughs> him to win any damn major. It's Matt Kuchar. Joe, Go. you got your Masters tickets rejection email? Is that right? Not. No. Search my inbox. I haven't gotten anything from the Masters now, or from Augusta. I'll say this. There are two scenarios, <laughs> two scenarios are possible. Either they wait to tell the people who actually have tickets and you're getting tickets, or you did not apply for the tickets correctly. I While def- I hope it's the former, I assume it's the latter. I know. I, I'm with you because I, then I started questioning it. Um, I'm pretty sure I got a confirmation email that said I applied for tickets. I'll have to I go don't back. understand because you're I don't have a like person. a thousand un, unread messages in my inbox, so it's hard to go through them all. But I, I'm pretty sure none of them are from Augusta, letting me know that I that I'm in. How do you live such a chaotic life? You have one thousand unread emails in your Gmail well, inbox. Right now, now it's down to seven eighty seven. But yeah, man, I just I just don't have time. 
You got to, you know what you got to do one day? Yeah. You got to sit down with a couple beers. You got to start unsubscribing. Unsubscribe, unsubscribe. It's true. That, that is what I need to do. <sighs> do we have anything else? I think that's the episode oh, of At the Turd, Nick. That's it, Joe. Um, major season is over. Put a lid well, on it. We're going to have hopefully like a two-hour episode previewing the FedEx Cup playoffs coming up very soon. Nothing could be more important than that. Everything. Everyone is so excited about the FedEx Cup playoffs. Even the commercials on the Golf Channel are kind of like, eh, watch if you want. If you got nothing <laughs> else going on, tune into the FedEx Cup playoffs. Well, all the Matt Kuchar fans should be in an uproar right now because I think that Brooks Kepka just passed Matt Kuchar in the FedEx Cup standings, and I don't think Kuchar is going to stand for that for long. <laughs> God, Matt Kuchar is just the most appropriate FedEx Cup champion possible. Isn't he? Isn't that perfect? That should wins? be on his headstone. Matt Kuchar, three-time FedEx Cup champion. <laughs> that just lover lover of comfortable footwear, three-time FedEx all. Cup champion. <laughs> perfect. Well, Joe, it's been fun. It has been fun. I got to squeeze in a twilight round, and uh, yeah, it's nice outside. Did you play golf today? No, yesterday I played in like the 98-degree heat. Was, How'd you do? It was brutal. You know. Game, <laughs> game really starting to peak as we get later in the season? Um, there's, there's some promise. Hope is all we can ask for as yeah. golf. Just, just hit one. It's like, okay, I know what I'm doing at some point. Maybe I can luck into hitting a good shot here. Yeah, for sure. It's not, a, it's not about the good shots. I, I, I got the good shots. It's the good rounds. I just got to put it all together. Man, real quick anecdote. I uh, hooked up with um, a couple guys yesterday, a couple of young German bros who were like university students, and they were fascinating to talk to. One had to dip out because it was slow, and I wasn't going to drink because I drank quite a bit the day before. But all of a sudden, he pulls out this PBR, and he hands it to me, and I was like, oh, this is going to be warm. And somehow, he had kept it ice cold for three hours over the front (laughs) nine, and he's like, I have these. We better drink them. And I was like, well... This cool German guy wants to drink a pee. Yeah, better do it. <laughs> so anyway, I put it out on Twitter, but short rant. If you're uh, getting back into the game or if you're just a beginner, get out there, play by yourself. I know you do that a lot, Nick. It's the best way to expose yourself to playing under pressure because for some reason we all feel this way. Whenever we're in front of strangers, it's more difficult to hit a golf ball. And the more you put yourself in that situation, the better you're going to get at it. And you also get free PBRs from cool German people when you go out and play by yourself. Nothing better than that. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of At The Turn. Congrats to Shane Lowry, the champion golfer of the year. And uh, I guess we will, uh, what, see him for the FedEx Cup. Yeah, we'll see you next time. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.